So and I do, he's I, the main focus. I, I do like games. I mean, a lot of my life can be tracked by video games. I tend to place myself in certain positions vis-a-vis games that, and you know, impacted my life. Welcome to Tanks at the Podcast, all about video games and craft beer. I'm Ben, I'm joined by Adel, hey. and Lucy. Hello. Hello. And we Hello. are also joined by special guests, extremely special guests, joined by Alan. Hey, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> and Zoe. Hey, nice to meet you all. Hey, and they are from Brewgooder, a brewery based in Edinburgh. Yes. Yes. We are. We are. Special brewery. Yeah, go on. It's just so special, I needed to have a, a bit of a drum roll. Uh, yeah, we're from Brugger, and we are a craft brewery based in Edinburgh, uh, and we try to make beer, sell it, and use the profits for clean drinking water projects. Yes, something that we're going to get into and discuss. We have got, uh, we've all got the same beer to drink, essentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, is, who, who makes that beer? Uh, that beer is made by Brugger. Oh, that's a fantastic coincidence. Well, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> we've, we've, we've sorted this out so well. Um, it is the clean water lager. Uh, comes in a 330ml can. It's 4.5%. Uh, let's get them open. Let's get drinking. Uh, hold up. There yeah. is some flavour text. Of course there is. So while, we, while everyone pours, I'll read the flavour text. Our premium craft lager is made with malted barley, water, and Saz Sriracha Ace hops, making it a unique, refreshing session lager. Brewgooder is the craft beer that gives 100% of its profits to clean water projects all over the world, so when you drink this lager, you provide clean drinking water for those who need it. Find out more at brewgooder.com. Nice. Um, you could do a voiceover, that was so good. <laughs> Hi, I don't think we need to say anything more. This it's is like the short, shortest trail. podcast ever. Yeah, <laughs> <trail>. <laughs> we'll probably, probably try the beer and first, and then we'll go. That's yeah. what we'll do. Um, so it looks quite nice, nice, clear, straw-colored. Mm. Uh, quite, I mean, it looks quite bubbly. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't pour with a terrible head, which is something that a lot of loggers can be guilty of which it's, I like. it's, it's something that I sort of I'll, I'll bring up a bit later but a lager is an interesting uh, kind of beer to kick off with we don't drink a huge amount of lagers on the on the pod no um, yeah it's interpreted as not being terribly craft and I can get that but when made well as a style I think lager can be extremely good and I think oh, yeah. what you're about to drink is going to be a perfect example of that um, yeah for sure no pressure on them. Yeah, that's it now. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> smell it. Um, I do really love the smell. This is probably the most interesting smelling lager I've had. So, so far, that claim is, is easily supported. Yeah, it's yeah. very herbal. It's very floral. It's got a little touch of almost dill from the sriracha yeast. Yeah. So that's kind of the hop that's play there. Mm. So that's what's giving you that nice hoppy nose, which should hopefully invite you to drink more or to yeah. drink full yeah. stop. Yeah, getting a lot of lime on the nose as well. That's yep. probably the dill as well. I didn't know it had sriracha ace hops in it. Yeah. It's, um, every time I've had sriracha ace, it's, it's quite subtle. Um, it can really go by the wayside or you can really have it at the forefront. I think it's a 
quite a balancing act from some of the beers that I've had to actually bring that half to the to forward and actually get the best out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. to our knowledge, it hadn't really been done in a lager either, and we mm. thought this was an interesting. I mean, from the comp, what the company does and what the brewery tries to do. You know, we thought we would do something different with lager and try and experiment and try and bring stuff in that maybe hasn't been um, traditionally used, but then balance that up with sats, which obviously it's got a really big heritage in, in terms of, you know, the continent and as a Czech sort of. Yeah. So from that point of view, we thought we would marry the innovative and the traditional and, yeah, try and see if it worked. Nice. It's, it's extremely easy drinking. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's so definitely. smooth. And the, that characteristic nuttiness you usually get um, in, in sort of the aftertaste of, of lagers is is there, but not that strong, which I really appreciate because mm. um, uh, when it's been a long time since I've had a lager uh, and then I um, pick one up, I notice that quite a lot. It's like, oh, right, that. Um, and it's it's never never really welcomed that, even though it's, I mean, it's just part of the lager experience. And I like that it's there. So, I mean, you're not trying to hide the lagerness, but it's not like, hmm. Yeah, to face. me, there's like a bit of a profile. You've got quite, a, like you say, whenever you're picking up the lime, it's quite crisp at the front. It's got a nice yeast profile, so it kind of gives way a little bit in the middle. Mm. And then instead of the nuttiness, you've got a nice biscuity finish, which mm. is kind of like Moorish. It's kind of like popcorn in the cinema. You know, you put it down, and before you know it, you've kind of hopefully picked it back up. So it kind of gets that nice little um, sessionableness, easy drinking, yeah. and, like nice you know, interplay of flavors. So yeah, we're really proud of it. To be honest. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I see that because um, it's, it's kind of wet. It's still wet because it's a lager. So usually that means that you don't have to like rush for the next sip, but you're right. There's something about the taste that is inviting me to take another swig quite quickly. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it, it does, it does linger a little yeah. as well. And even though you kind of get that, that lime hit sort of right at the start, that kind of sits in the aftertaste as well, just really subtly, sort of like right at the end, which I think is mm. what's making me want to have kind more of go back for it. Yeah, and, and the carbonation just makes it really refreshing as well and yeah. crisp. Yeah, it's very lightly carbonated. There's a bit of wheat in the grist as well, so it should it should hold that head if it's poured properly quite well until the end. Obviously, if the glass is nice and clean. Um, but yeah, it's funny because to me, it's kind of like a nice summertime drinking mm, beer. Yeah. You know, which is flexible enough to be all round, but it's funny because we're sitting here in Scotland where there is very little summer. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe have you know, there's a, a short window of opportunity to enjoy this beer unless you kind of go on holiday with it and risk it sort of um, being broken on the baggage carousel. Um, but yeah, no, we're 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 really proud of it. Good. Yeah. Good. Too right. It's a really mm. good beer. Really it good is. lager. I mean, yeah, it... as you say, not typically a craft kind of beer lager, but stuff like this i mean it's so drinkable so it's not harsh like most other lagers i mean this is craft to me to be honest so yeah great yeah well i mean to disclose fully disclose we do brew with the guys up at brew dog yeah. to sort of do that um and just the setup that they've got there allows you to have a really interesting profile whatever the style you're doing um and obviously the consistency as well so you know can after can it gets better you know i can notice taste between you know different batches and stuff like that there mm. so i think it's mm. getting better and better nice and if you get a chance um you should go down and try it on draft as well because it's almost a completely different beast really? on. yeah no absolutely i mean i i i think 
there's something about I don't know if it's just having a nice cold pint of lager that kind of reminds me of almost underage drinking and that's <laughs> yeah. that sort of freedom that we had back then. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a different animal on, oh. on draft. For me, that's inexpensive and horrible vodka. That's what reminds me of uh, <laughs> underage drinking. Mm. But uh, um, definitely bad cider. Oh, oh yeah. I, I don't. Second. I think I must have been in my twenties when I had my first cider. Oh. Canada's a really? strange, strange land. Oh dear. Oh dear. Not thirteen. Um, <laughs> like most of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, Brewdog. I thought maybe you could just sort of. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that relationship um, goes, whether you want to touch on history or just in general, um, how you guys sort of maybe collaborated to, to get this taste profile and also, you know, a nice play, place for you guys to mention how they're doing that with for no profit on their own end because they believe in your cause. And then maybe we can segue into the cause, he says, realizing he's now <laughs> betraying his thinking. Um, um, well, we first, I mean... We had the idea, and obviously we'll kind of tell you a bit more about how the idea came. I mean, is it probably worth talking about the idea and then how that came sure, into let's, the Yeah, let's start that. Yeah, so for, for me, it was, you know, it all kind of started, I was 21. Um, I went to Nepal um, on a sort of volunteerism sort of project, if you like, and we were doing some good work, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, life-changing by a large stretch, but it was good for the village that we were working in. And I did the sort of thing that everyone from the doctors to the foreign office advice says and I drank a local water source and about three or four weeks later I started you know we'll not go into it because the details are a little bit disgusting um but I got quite sick and I started losing some weight and things weren't working so well but I just went down to the doctor because we had the NHS and all these sort of things and I got a really commonly prescribed drug which is called metronidazole and within a week I was fine and for me it was like this you know you're lucky you didn't build the NHS you didn't build the water system you didn't really do anything you were born into quite a nice comfortable life mm. but there's people who take that risk pretty much every single day and there's 650 million people that do that and to me that didn't really sit well there's people there's a lot of children who die particularly don't reach the age of five and it didn't mean much to me then but it probably means a lot more to me now when I look back because I've got two nieces and obviously we're talking about having kids and stuff. And the idea of them having to take a risk with their life for something that's so essential to the furthering of life and just basic existence was something that I just couldn't really wrap my head around. So for me, it was about saving water, almost like you've got this precious gift. So when I was brushing my teeth, I would have been quite lazy and left the tap running and I you know, stopped it. And then I realized that that's not really the issue. The issue is availability of clean drinking water. So that kind of like, you know, rumbled about in my head, I guess, for a good couple of years, maybe two or three years. And I started working for a another social enterprise in Scotland. And by hook or by crook, we built this company into, it sort of, it was a high street sandwich chain called Social Bite, and it um, employed homeless people. And then we did some work with the guys at Brewdog around corporate catering. It was actually quite like mm. a quite a thing. And James Watt, who is the CEO of Brewdog, obviously one of the co-founders, um, was a really kind of big fan of what we were doing. And I was obsessed with craft beer, as I guess you guys were as well. Um, and I moved from Ireland, where craft beer was like effectively, I guess, Guinness. You know, you had Harp, yeah. which was the and like yeah. Guinness was like the exotic choice. And maybe if you were super exotic, you went from Magners. But I right. you know, 
<laughs> like exactly so it's like it's that bad when i came to scotland and there was you know there was the harvestings there was obviously brew dog there was i think tempest were sort of kicking about whenever i was in um mm. in university and to me it was like this is just scottish beer and i didn't really appreciate it and i loved it and i spent lots of money on it and my friends spent lots of money on it and i thought this must be such a cool thing to be involved in and i had this idea that well what if you could sell beer and try and help the projects of clean water because effectively it made sense like in my head you could drink beer and you could get refreshed and particularly when we talk about the lager and the taste profile and how that was developed it's all about refreshment and you can kind of almost link it in your head to the idea of somebody getting something clean to drink so we kind of speculatively sort of wrote to James um, through a kind of introduction and we sat down and I think within three or four questions he kind of just went, do you want it in cans or bottles? I think, <laughs> yeah, do you know what I'm saying? And I think when you've got somebody like that who has done what they've done for the industry in the UK to say that, it's quite a holy shit sort of moment. Like yeah. if someone believes that that could be, could be done, then, you know, you've obviously got um, something, you've got, you've got something there, you've got a good idea. But the thing was is that obviously they're going through such an insane period of growth is that he didn't really think twice about saying, yeah, listen, we'll just give you. Because, I mean, let's be honest, they could sell punk IPA instead of brewing our beer. That's yeah. not going to be an issue. To them. But, you know, almost instinctively, because I think what they've done in the craft beer space has not only allowed something like Brewgooder to be imagined, because, you know, the rules are kind of all over the place and, you know, things are getting done that's quite wacky, but they kind of just said, listen, if you can sell it, we can brew it, um, because I kind of think they believed in the passion that we had to to make the the cause sort of happen, the clean water right. thing happen. And when we give them an idea that we said we would want to bring a million people clean drinking water, I think that was just so partly naive, but also partly mental. Like right. Said, yeah. As a cause that they were like, yeah, we'll get behind this, and yeah, it's been it's been good ever since, really. Nice and. What year did you start? Because I, I seem to remember reading on the website that you've brought clean drinking water to about 33,000 people. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably closer to 40,000 by now, actually. Okay. Um, so even the website's out of date. But, yeah, we started in we started in 2016. So we started with a crowdfund. Um, we basically, you know, we were in this weird situation where BrewDog had agreed to brew the beer, right? But you couldn't really go to like a, a bank and say, can we have, you know, a hundred grand to mm. effect give the profits away? Is that okay? Yeah. We laughed, right? So we thought, well, we kind of believe in the idea. Um, can we, you know, will other people do that? So we just asked for 50 grand in a crowdfund. And even that was a bit crazy, I still think. And we cashed out at about 60 grand, which allowed us to do our first couple of hundred thousand cans. And then we just kind of, went from there the first year we did two projects in malawi um, and that covered they were quite extensive projects and they covered about five thousand people with clean drinking water and then since then we've just through sort of natural growth been able to kind of fund and part fund around about 64 different projects now wow nice. uh, which has taken that number from five thousand to 33 and then there's an additional projects in the pipeline which is bringing that closer to 40 so it's kind of the ability to scale up and the partnership we have with Brudog has allowed us really to kind of turn that momentum into actual impact and I think that 
you know, to promise to bring people a, mil- a million people clean drinking water is one thing, but to start to even in a small way start to deliver on it, kind of builds that momentum and shows people that you're kind of not talking shit, I guess. Yeah, not just doing lip service. Yeah, that's a that's exactly. a really impressive um, growth for, for yeah. a year and a bit. Yeah, you get smarter as well. You know where to spend your money, and you know to kind of team up with people to make sure that for what you invest, you know. It's good starting from scratch and trying to go and replicate what's already been done. But I think we've kind of got a little bit smarter in how we work with people. The the, the whole basis of the business and the, the sort of the beer brand is about collaboration with the best. So I think we've kind of tried to put that into play with the charity. And we've kind of learned a few mistakes, um, not even mistakes, but we just learned how, how we would invest the money better. And I think the closer you get to making your money work for you on the charity end, you actually see that there's better ways to invest it. And you see that there's ways to invest in different communities, which actually unlocks a lot of other things other than clean water. So that might be school feeding programs or hospital sort of clinic type things. And you just get a little bit of more experience every time you do it. So hopefully every time we invest the money, it has a bigger and bigger return, if you understand. Mm. Now, do you have... um specific team on, on on the other end where 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 you're doing the charity work or is it more of um you're you're working with sort of a certain set of people who are already experts over there and that's where you're getting some of this learning it's kind of a mixture i guess i mean we probably have relationships with about three different charities there's some that are largely based in Mal- we do a lot of our work in malawi it's kind of a country that's very very underdeveloped about 25% of the population don't have access to anything like safe water. Um, so there's lots of different charities who operate in, in, on the ground in, in the countries. Um, we work with one which is actually based in Scotland, um, where we've done a lot of intensive work around uh, solar-powered well projects in mm. a very, very small and remote community, which is really, really well run. It's called the Nora <laughs> Dockery Foundation. Sorry, you it's said really, well Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's lots of puns that might come up from the term. <laughs> yeah. As, um, but yeah, and then we've worked with American charities that have done sort of bespoke projects in really, really hard to reach places, which are a lot more expensive. But at the end of the day, you're kind of going to the hardest to reach people and bringing them something which is safe. And then we've done stuff like well repairs, because a lot of wells, if they're not maintained, can fall out of use. So just literally bringing somebody who's, good with a spanner and is has an engineering background and can repair something you can actually unlock water for people again and we've worked with people like the one foundation who are a very very good charity based in the uk and that do a lot of work in malawi and that kind of allows us to get almost like i guess economies of scale by working with them and identifying the places so we're reinventing the wheel i guess yeah Mm, awesome Um, i didn't realize that you lot were only establishing 2016 i mean yeah that was last year because correct me if i'm wrong but i first remember drinking one of your beers i think it was in a beer 52 subscription box and um absolutely yes yeah and uh i remember reading your story as well and i just thought no one else does that in you know like the i mean a lot of breweries do have outreach programs and stuff like that usually with communities that are local to them um where did you lot, you know, get the idea of where you should not only touch the community that you know that's close to you, but a global one? I know you went to Nepal and stuff like that, but did you ever, you know, think 
why is nobody else doing this? Um, why are we may be the first ones to do this? Yeah, I mean, big shout out to Beer 52 because mm. they actually, just before we start, because they, before we'd even brewed a can, were like, we get this, we understand it. And um, they said, we want to bring you, we want to be able to bring you to more and more people. So before you knew it, like we had about a thousand people who backed the crowdfund, but we also had, you know, eight, ten, whatever thousand it is getting cans in their boxes, which was yeah. which is pretty awesome. We're launching it kind of gives you an, an, like an, an increased or amplified voice. Mm. But, you know, plugs aside, I'll, I'll get my free case. <laughs> I'll get my free case if you do there. But anyway, uh, yeah, so um, I guess for me it was important that it's luck of the draw. No mm. one asked to be born who they are, right? You just happen to be. And for me it was like, can you imagine, like, you're we're, we're all sitting here, we're all sitting around having a chat about beer and about video games, okay? I would say, you know, who loves video games? Who has a good life? You put your hand up, okay? Who's ever had to worry about water? And you all put your hand down. So for me, it was like, it didn't really matter whether or not they were local or, you know, international. It's just a basic thing that we take for granted. And mm. I can't imagine my life if I had to worry about something as simple as water um or if i was even in a worse situation where i was a, a you know a woman in these developing countries which had have to source the water and do the work and are just basically taken out of the economy and society and i just thought that that was just a simple matter of injustice we have done a lot of work in scotland with our other company brute uh, uh her other company social bite where we've um, done a lot of work with homeless people. We've taken about 26 homeless people off the streets into full-time accommodation, and we feed about 150 homeless people a year, and we have really big plans to hopefully end homelessness in Scotland. And if you really drill down to it, inequality is just based on life factors. These people did mm. not choose to be homeless no matter what you say yeah. or what you think. They've been dealt really bad hands, and the same thing applies on the water end of it. So for me, it just it wasn't about anything you know unique or it was like how can I how can I wake up every morning and have a cool job where I get to talk and sell talk about and sell beer and mm. do something that I genuinely believe is worthwhile and the craft beer community and all the support we've got from that has been so easy to allow us to do it that I didn't think we were going in just entering the market with a USP. I thought you know what. Is it possible to actually use craft beer? Because you talk about it, there's podcasts about it, there's, you know, people sit around and do tastings and they talk about provenance and they talk about, oh, have you tasted this new cloud water? Or have you tasted that beaver? Right. Or have you seen this collaboration? And like people care. So can you imagine if you use the social power of beer to do something extraordinary that's like beyond yeah. anything you could imagine? And I think with beer in and of itself, and particularly lager, like even with the most masculine and macho of like friendship groups, beer has always allowed people to sh show generosity. When you mm -hmm. buy a round, you're actually yeah. saying, I can't, I love you type thing. Nice. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or, or I like you or I want to show kindness to you. So I thought like that, like from a, a cerebral, almost like an idea point of view, just seemed like something that if it could be done and if it could be enabled by guys like Brewdog, then, you know, why the fuck not? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I allowed to curse on this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we move on, let's crack another beer. Yeah, this round's on me. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. 
Hello. It's not actually. It's in my house, but Ben actually ordered the beer to my house. Oh, yeah. so. thing. I was like, why is the billing address different from the shipping? It was, yeah. <laughs> Zoe, tell us about what you do and how you got wrapped up in um, the whole brew gooder story. So about uh, kind of a year ago, really, um, or a year and a half ago, um, I, like Alan, actually, we went to the same university and um, like him, I went on a kind of volunteer abroad kind of um, two month internship, should we say, um, volunteerism kind of thing. But my project was, it was bas- it basically changed my life, not to sound too cheesy, but it was all about water and um in a very, very, very rural part of Uganda. And um, it was very small scale and it really did make a difference. And there was only about six of us and we were kind of in the in the, the woods for about seven weeks, which sounds like nothing, but coming from Scotland where there's abundance of water, i.e. it rains all the time. Um, it was really hard for me to get my head around. We literally had to walk 30 minutes round trip to, to get water and... I just, I'm not strong enough to lift 30 litres, let alone 20 or 10 litres above my head or even carry it. I was awful at trying to get water. And fair play to the other the other four people that I was with because I I used to walk about probably about 1,800 metres and my, my arms just collapsed. And like Alan, it really did kind of change my life just to think, oh my gosh, how how do we get this mindset of where we're born in the world just kind of, it means that we can turn on the tap and and that's fine. You know, we get clean drinking water. And especially in Scotland, we're so lucky that the water is great quality all the time. And, you know, it rains all the time and we complain about the weather. But, you know, in real terms, it, whenever we turn on the tap, it's, it's, it's easily accessible to drink. So I kind of, that really stuck with me. And then um, I decided to kind of pursue this this notion further. And then not to go into too much detail, but I'd, I, I did the kind of, I did a law degree, uh, a master's in international law to think, well, if we're going to try and change the world, if I'm going to try and change the world, then we need to we need to kind of look at policy and, you know, and international law and how this shapes how this shapes people in rural communities and how these fancy laws in Geneva or wherever that are made by government bodies or international government bodies such as the UN, how that how that translates to people that really need these laws to work for them and that don't have the access and so anyway jumping ahead um, I became a bit of a human rights and water geek in a very kind of short space of time but um, Mm -hmm. let's jump back to kind of four years later after my experience in Uganda and literally I just posted my thesis title which was looking at a kind of critical assessment of the United Nations special rapporteur to the right to save drinking water and I posted it on Facebook and me and Alan, we knew each other at uni and he messaged me saying, hey, do you want to go for a coffee? And um, this was two months before Brugger launched. And in short, the rest is history. I'm a water geek. And (laughs) and in in particular, I'm a bit of a toilet geek. I believe that, you know, water is really important, but sanitation is is crucial too. I mean, um, we're all drinking beer, but at some point we're all going to have to go to the toilet and it's not it's not going to be an issue but for a yeah. lot around the world it's huge like that. yeah <laughs> that was very short and probably very long at the same time so. no no it's perfect <laughs> it's really interesting um, so i'm so uh my parents both um were born and raised in tanzania so i'm just thrown off by the fact that you both of your experiences 
well, sorry, your experience and where you guys are are sort of focused happen to be in East Africa, which is, as a Canadian Brit, still somewhat kind of like as a as a Canadian Brit of Indian descent, that's still someone <laughs> somewhat home to me, because I'm a very non-standard individual. Um, which uh, I was curious what what initially led you guys to Malawi, but before we get there, uh, I'm still super curious to to sort of what your what, what your um, what your role is in Brugger, Zoe? You've told us. Um, yeah, sure, sorry, I can't just talk no about So, I my kind of my role in Brugger is growing the brand. It's engagement. It started with um, walking around Edinburgh trying to get bars to sell our beer, which I'm really proud of the city. A lot of people, um, you know, all the bars that I kind of got got to stock us have really become you know passionate about what we do. Um, particularly, I feel with my with my background, you know, I've told them about what I do, my my personal interests about human rights to water and sanitation and making it easy for people to do good and feel good about drinking beer. And, you know, you guys are all enjoying a beer just now, but you're enjoying our beer because it's good beer and it's easy to drink and it's accessible to a lot of people that either tend to not know a lot about the craft beer world, which I kind of hold my hands up and say I didn't know a lot about the craft beer world before I kind of started on this venture and also um a lot of people that don't tend to like lager and or and I, I say lager and also beer because there's a lot of people that are like oh I'm really surprised that I like this product when they try it mm-hmm. and you know as Lucy said you know it's it's not too fizzy it's not too carbonated it's um it kind of leaves you with the aftertaste is very it goes on and on for kind of layman's terms it, it isn't just a oh I can taste half the tin in this you know it doesn't mm-hmm. taste Kind of, oh, I'll just drink it because it's the only available one. Yeah, it's... right. I think when when you look at Zoe's role, like she's probably she was the first employee Brugger ever had, um, and she'd never sold a can of beer in her life. And for me, what was cool about it was that I said, right, I love beer. Let's do the water thing, right? Whereas she was like, I love the water thing. Let's <laughs> do the beer. Yeah. And, now, let's, let, you know, and she's a Cicerone certified beer server, and she's about to set her exam to be a certified 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 Cicerone. Sorry, try saying that after a few Brugerers. <laughs> so you know, like this is the thing about beer is that it has the power to bring disparate people together to yeah. talk about anything and to do a lot of things. Yeah, very much. So basically, and sorry, in short, I probably should get better at saying this. I'm I'm very bad at saying what my role is. I look after growing the brand, making people passionate about what we do, and allowing people to to kind of try our beer and also share our story. And um, and meeting people like you guys, you know, if people want to talk about the brand, then you know, doing staff advocacy. So it's all very well that people stop us, but you know, in short, we're another kind of craft lager what does that mean you know so doing tastings doing kind of presentations all that kind of thing i'm all about the growth and engagement to towards burger and objective objective number one is book shit hot podcast so yeah she's uh, (laughs) (laughs) and i suppose it's 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 kind of getting the message out there by by speaking to kind of people within the industry but you guys are uh, stocked in asda as well yes making it and co-op, okay. Oh, I nice, didn't know that. Nice. Oh, okay. So it's making it very available for people to be able to go and, and pick up. But 
as you were saying, Zoe, uh, kind of about getting the message across to people so people advocate for the for the kind of bit. I imagine that's quite difficult to do with the with the supermarkets as such because if you go up to someone who's kind of just stocking beer on the shelf in Asda, they may not necessarily be be into beer. So whilst that kind of gives you a a much broader uh, audience, I suppose. I guess it's 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 places like this. It's kind of more independent bottle shops that are focused on beers. It's it's bars and pubs and stuff where you're really kind of getting into. Can I can I answer that one? Because yeah. one of the just as an example, um, so I live in a street in Edinburgh, and there happens to be a really like shit hot bottle shop across the road um, called Vino. And it will sell more than any as co-op, Tesco, Sainsbury's, no matter if it's the biggest one and the most, the busiest one in the country. Because I literally, when we were crowdfunding, walked across the road and said, do you know what would be really cool if you stocked this beer and bought into the crowdfund and bought, you know, a couple of cases to sell? And from then, all the way through to what we're doing now, they followed that journey. And because they care about the story... You know, they might not be the biggest lagerheads in the world. They might, you know, love imperial stouts for any, you know, all anyone mm-hmm. knows. You know, they still can. You can walk in and they can tell you exactly what we've been doing mm-hmm. and stuff like Zoe does to go and actually say, "This is the story. This is where we've come from, and this is what we want to do." To be able to talk to people one on one or to get, you know, I'm an avid podcast listener and I love the idea of people being able to just go about their daily life and maybe they're commuting. And they hear this story and it sticks in their head and they'll be able to know and pull off some information. And no matter how well you design a can, no matter how, you know, you know, punchy and catchy it is, it doesn't mean anything unless someone hands it to you and says, here's what these guys right. do. And I think the increasing importance of advocates like Zoe or like the rest of the team as we've grown, you know, for us, it's about how do we turn the bartenders or the, you know, waiters or anybody in the supply chain effectively to be able to look at a customer and if they want a recommendation of a beer and they say, have you tried these guys? Because this is what they do and then tell them the story. And I think that's the ultimate thing. And you can't get that just by virtue of sitting on a supermarket shelf. So it's not the holy grail by any, any stretch. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just, just sort of broadens your audience a little bit that you kind of, hope that someone just goes oh i've i've heard about this from somewhere else yes i'll, I'll pick say. that up sort of thing so getting that message out to lots of different people and trying to get that that around as much as possible might just spur someone when they're in somewhere like that to notice the can and kind of then pick it up rather than you know go searching for it say in a bottle shop if they're not sort of familiar with with going to bottle shops and, and things like that so. or or even like people might be swayed by the story but don't generally buy their beer online and that's something to some people that's a weird thing yeah i I don't i don't don't know why but to be able to go to as that having heard the story having that availability seems like 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 that it seems to me at least that it makes sense like once you learn the story knowing that it's accessible through a more common means i'll seek it out versus what you would normally do which is this is also by the way very excellently designed can um, this is an excellent can. I might, uh, I might pick it up, but I won't pick it up on virtue of the story because 
Except for maybe me, no one gives a shit about flavor text. I read it in your voice in my head. Well, no, that's going to be playing on loop for me tonight. Um, But for me, like, the. Can anyone remember the Ron Seal adverts? It's like, it does exactly what it says in the tin. If you look at our can, like, I was just. So, this is. It's not going to mean anything to you unless you watch some of our videos and our impact documentaries. But this is inspired by the landscape of the one of the villages that we visited in Malawi, and I think that's a nice little segue that we can talk about why we're involved in Malawi as well. Yeah. Um, so that's come full circle. Mm-hmm. But it's basically just like this is the idea that we just wanted to show people that this is what we do, and we wanted to kind of live those values out, you know, for however people interacted with the can. And you know, there's lots. Craft beer is known for you know it's the beauty of some of the cans that are out there you know the wackiness of some of the other cans that are out there you need to stand out to a certain extent but if everyone's standing out how do you really stand out i guess so it doesn't really probably connect with people until they actually have it in their hands and they see what it's like and they feel the sort of Mm. texture and they kind of rotate it around almost like a story um but yeah i guess it's probably a good time to then talk about why we were involved in malawi i think that's what you sort of mentioned Um, we actually got there by fluke, to be honest. Um, so we were really desperate to go out to a community to, you know, see what it was like and to almost create the con. I know this sounds really bad, but like to create the sort of conditions of a, of a, a sort of call to action to support our brand, to be able to go out and say, this is happening in communities across the world. You know, yeah. help us start this company, and we'll help people like this. And we were thinking of lots of different places we could go and there was lots of different options in the table and one of them was congo and we couldn't really go there because i would be going there but i didn't want to bring a cameraman in there to kind of be you know my eyes went wide when you said congo for precisely that reason yeah Yeah. exactly exactly so we actually through a sort of connection we had um with a charity called the hunter foundation they had a sort of person that worked there who had a charity that was doing a lot of work in a very small community in Malawi. And we said, yeah, we'll go out there. And we went out, we did some filming, we did some interviews, we asked people what they wanted. And we said, you know, it's hard. it was hard to kind of almost explain what the business model was because it's it's not sophisticated, but it's kind of a bit different from what normal businesses are, are, are like. And we said, basically, we'll sell beer. And they went, oh, Carlsberg. And we went, no, 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 no. <laughs> and we so that kind of went on and we said but we're, we want to do water projects and you know what would you ideally like if you could have you know a new water project for example and they said oh we want a solar powered well and i was like shit they've they've thought about this you know what i mean this yeah. is you know, this isn't just an off the top of their head thing and we did that work uh, that was the first project we sort of commissioned and then we realized that we had some people on the ground who were doing that project for us and that could check up on it and we had an infrastructure and then for us it just kind of made sense to could you imagine helping a nation which is you know very underdeveloped if you could take you know region by region town by town to kind of have a really big impact there then you could have a sizable you know connection with that country and be able to see a lot of improvements and then you know it makes sense if you're flying somewhere to check up on your projects if you've got 64 of them within a, a 50 mile radius yeah. no matter how many roads are you know it just makes a bit of sense as well so have you if you guys got sort of a, a hub there which you've sort of worked out from 
or have you just been been popping around sort of the the different towns and villages and things uh, you know it sort of i suppose uh, like spider webbing out from an area or just yeah. kind of hopping between the, the 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 closest kind of towns yeah so our first two projects are very very close they're in a, they're in a, they're in two different regions but they're very very close to each other they're actually only about 60 kilometers away um, oh, okay. as, as the crow flies but it's about a four-hour drive just because of the mm-hmm. nature of the in the infrastructure but that's two of 64 we've got the other 64 projects that are the other 60 projects that we're supporting are in a in the one sort of region in theolo uh, and they're almost like a sort of spider web if you like so that's centered around the major towns and then we can effectively from a central base go out and visit and i think monitor and make sure that the money that we're spending is obviously used well and is delivering for the communities that we're wanting to deliver for. But also it allows us to kind of go out there and capture the stories and then take mm-hmm. that back to the drinkers because I think that's very important because promising stuff and saying you're doing stuff is good, but if you can't see it, you know, what's the incentive for somebody to continue to support it? Oh. And so I think that's very important. But you know, Malawi is not like the UK. It's not like driving from you know, London to Edinburgh, it's very, you know, you can, you know, you can vouch for this with um, Tanzania, I guess, to a certain extent. But like Malawi is, 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 it's not got, you know, villages that are maybe separated by, you know, 100 kilometers are very, very remote, remote from one another. Yeah, I mean, I remember in my first year in Bristol, uh, people thought it was crazy, but I drove from Bristol to Edinburgh in, in, in a night. Um, I think it was like six hours or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fair play. Yeah, I did. I did get a, a speeding ticket on the rental car, which of course meant I got the infamous uh, Enterprise um, seventy-five pound administration fee oh. for for scanning the fucking ticket and sending it to me. Nice. Um, <laughs> but wow, I just turned that heartwarming story about access and terrible plight to. Remember that time I got that shitty ticket? I'm the worst. But yeah, I, I mean, and the reason why the point I brought this up was actually because, um, I mean, in terms of this country, that's a long distance, but it's also super doable because of the infrastructure, mm. right? Like, I mean, roads matter, and it's the thing we sort of take for granted. Which... Yeah. Sorry, on that point, like, this is the this is the danger I think, and this is a, a wider philosophical point, and probably a lot heavy for you know a podcast like this. But hear me out. Right, we're pretty heavy we're, sometimes. We're in a super we're in a super developed country, right? We're probably you know there's almost there's enough wealth for everyone. There should be for everyone to live very very comfortably. But see the conversations that I hear in like coffee shops and stuff. It's all about oh, AI and you know tech and replacing jobs with robots, and I'm like. We have so much like resource and wealth and compassion in the world that if we're talking about AI, we need to look behind us and say there's people who are going to be left in effectively in relative terms the Stone Age unless we actually use the wealth that we have here to kind of even the playing field, if you understand. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, because there's, you know, one of the things I noticed in Malawi was that when you went out, they didn't have running water in houses or you know in schools but quite a number of people had mobile phones and it's easier to build a mobile phone mast than it is to do sewerage and stuff like that there so we just kind of maybe need to get our priorities right as a as a world 
I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah for uh, sure. Not hardly any one of us in this country have ever seen abject poverty. So to actually go over the, to these countries and bring those stories to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, more than once I've like, you know, I like your beer. I've had your beer before. And it's like, oh, maybe I'll pick up that cloud water instead, which is twice as much. And, you know, pro- probably not even a twice better beer. But it's like, you know, I unless you actually see what's actually going on and understand the cause. I mean, you guys have made me feel like crap today because <laughs> I, 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 you like you like you know, awe inspiring you know stories and what you lot have done. And it's like at, the least I can do is pick up one of your beers and it's yes. like yes. Yeah? Oh, okay, hundred percent. But I'm gonna flip that back on you, right? Mm. Because if you didn't buy that beer once or twice, mm. then we'd stop making any money to do anything. So one of the things I want to do, and it's all good, us, me and Zoe coming on and saying how cool we are, how good we are, and we're saints and stuff like that there. But it, it's, <laughs> bullshit. it's bullshit if you don't give the ownership to the people yeah. that actually buy the beer. And one of the things I want to be able to do is see when you pick up your Brugger, okay, and you look at the batch number, I want to be able to have it on our website that you can type in that batch number and you can see exactly what that batch number is doing. Uh, nice. yeah. Oh, that is super cool. I really like yeah. that idea. And I want to give you that experience because every time you pick it up, listen, drink cloud water. It's delicious. Right? <laughs> Don't feel bad about drinking cloud water. <laughs> every so often, get a brugger and feel good about mm. it. And also know that for us... We kind of were very, very preachy about, you know, drink our beer because people are dying. And that's never a good reason to drink beer. It's not a good reason to sell beer either. But when we went out once or twice and saw the work that the projects were doing, when we asked people about what having water meant to them, they always said, oh, well, we don't have to worry about that so much. We can start imagining other things and aspiring and maybe, you know, thinking about opening businesses or getting better houses or having their kids, you know, better educated. And when you think about it, like we don't want our beer to be associated with do this or else feel guilty about it. We want to be able to say, when you don't have to worry about water, you start to imagine the things that we in the UK think about, which is one of two things or both a better life for yourself or a better life for your family. And that's to me what Brugger should be about. Yeah. Cause but, I imagine that's a pretty, you know, small line between being preachy and being passionate about what you do. So, so, yeah, so, how do you how do you manage that? How do you not come off as preachy but still get the message across? I think that's such a good point, and it's something that I I feel I'm a kind of I'm very tentative about. And I think the main thing for me is actually not coming from a craft beer background. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I've learned a lot about the craft beer world, and I think the biggest thing that I try to say to people is that it's accessible. It's accessible at any stage, whether, you know, you don't really like beer or that you love beer. And I think that that's the kind of unique selling point that we have, or maybe that I have as a person, because, you know, I liked beer, but um, as we were talking about earlier, I really liked, I really liked cider in my earlier days, you know? And I think that that was just because it was just, oh, someone handed me a pint of cider. And that's kind of what, what I stuck to, but bearing that in mind, you know, and then I thought, oh, beer is this kind of foreign land that how do, I, how, do I, how, how do I even start with choosing what I want? And then when I got this role with Brugader, you know, you've got to be careful of, I love water. I'm so passionate about, you know, pr- 
providing this product so that I know exactly where the money is going and I know that it's literally transforming the other like other lives of people um, for their field but it is a fine line and I think you know you've what I would say is you know without trying I'm not from a sales background so again I, that probably helps in my favor because I think with a sales background sometimes you know you get this brief and it's like right do this do this follow the motions whereas you know, Alan's kind of let me have this blank canvas where it's like, well, I'm going into this bar and they've never heard of us. So why don't I just strike up a conversation and say, you know, what, what beer do you like? And if it's not a lager drinking tap, you know, tap room, then I say, you know, look, this is a really cool brand. This is what we do. Um, I would strongly recommend to any listeners to please check out our videos because I know that's such a plug, but it is really true of what we do, particularly what Alan said of chapter two, which is all about the people that we work with in the, in the villages and communities. And we particularly made it all about, especially women, um, which I really liked because the women that I spoke to, one was my age and I'm, I'm 24 and, you know, hearing her, she said that she was 24 and, you know, she's an entrepreneur. And she had this really cool, cool business model. And um, she was married and she she said, you know, I know exactly what I want to do. And she was she was basically nailing, nailing it. And, you know, her business model was working about, you know, selling products um, in her village that were, you know, at a higher profit margin than, than elsewhere, like compared to other villages. And I think it's just about trying to pitch that message to people in, in Scotland, Edinburgh, London, wherever you are. But trying to read the person that you, mm. you know, it's, it's hard to basically it's hard to imagine if you if you've never been to kind of far fetched places or Malawi or wherever if if you always have water then you just kind of need to make sure that people kind of get it and that's that's my the most difficult task that I have I without mean, sounding preachy and I don't really have an answer if well I think I think you have well, sort of you know. said an answer um, sorry to interrupt. Uh, so there's there's a social anthropological um, notion of othering the other, right? And it, and in this political climate we have in this world, we've talked about this before in Tanked Up. Mm -hmm. It's something that's very easy for um, uh, for us to 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 have is like there's there's me and my people, and there's the other. Yeah. And and it's really easy to be scared of or not give a shit about the other. Um, but it turns out studies have shown that like. Things like so, I was really moved by your chapter two video as well, and I will also plug go go give a give that a watch, um, because it puts faces to to the cause. It gives the story, and I think the storytelling so narratives are super important because they 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 paint the picture. They they show you that these are people just like the person next door, mm. and 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 that's what we need to that, that's what we need to defeat othering is showing that the, the, this demographic or these people over in this position or this location. Are people just like you and I? They've just got, um, as Alan put it, a different. Uh, they were dealt a different set of cards, and so their life is remarkably different. And when, and so, what I'm really impressed with, um, both by what I've seen on your website, but also this idea of, um, like, look up the batch number, and you'll yeah. see exactly where where your um, batch goes. Not only does it connect your work with exactly where like your money your purchase with where it's going mm. but it also in it draws a line between you and this person and it de-others mm. the people around that project i think that's that's a super that's why i was super like oh that's a really cool idea because i think in this day and age it's really easy to especially with 
the way the media cycles go, etc. It's really easy to have the other label on all kinds of things. And, and, and so the way you guys are describing your approach, especially with Zoe, the way you're like, I just go in and try and figure out what story to tell, what stories to tell, what connections to make is about where's this person at? How do I de-other this situation? How do I connect them to the thing? And de-othering is a very individual thing. So I'm really happy that you are saying, I don't have a strict marketing plan mm -hmm. because what you're saying is I want to actually connect things. It's about people, and I think it's about just just quickly. I won't I won't waffle, but I think it is about you know reading reading your person, you know, and not trying to be condescending or not trying to save the world with one person. Just saying, hey, have a beer. This is what we do. Like I hope you like it. And you know, if you want to if you want to pursue and stock our product, then this is what it does, kind of thing. And I think maybe not coming from a beer background is is helpful in that way. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it's about people will care like if you give them a reason to care about things they will do it and for me if you're it there's a new trend that's coming in with um just kind of consumerism where you don't have to wait until you're rich to make a difference and then mm. give philanthropically like if you've got you know a couple of quids or fiver you can act philanthropically and it's about giving people opportunities whatever you know let's just take craft beer as an industry it's about giving people opportunities from wholesaler all the way through to bartender to be to have just show some kindness one of the things we're proud about is we kind of worked it out to make sure that we can deliver one person with clean drinking water for every 24 can case we sell mm. and that number increases for uh, kegs as well so it's roughly two to three depending on the size of the cake if it's steel or whatever and sometimes making that applicable to people because one of the cool things i always say is that key kegs are quite a, you know key a key keg yeah, yeah. a three liter key yeah. keg you would probably plug into a bar or a, a tap room or whatever they roughly weigh because they're so light with the plastic the same as a 30 30 liter bucket of water now no one in a bar is going to stick a 30 liter key keg on their head why would mm. you right just to get water now would you walk out the bar down the road across the you know the bypass and then another couple of kilometers with that in your head like make it you know real to people and they'll get it yeah yeah that's a really good um yeah. juxtaposition yeah. i think if you're drunk you know if you were drunk enough you'd probably try it but oh <laughs> great um, i've Disaster. I've tried head-loading things. I was just going to say, if you're drunk enough, then it'd probably be a lot lighter. But head-loading is a skill that, uh, mm. that I've attempted and, and failed at. Um, well, it's because you're not doing it every day. Oh, yeah. All day. But it is true day. that like, since you if, were you, if you get, five or something. If you get help actually like getting it on your head, it is way, you can carry way That's more. Um, yeah. Than you could with just your arms, but, but yes. keeping it in that position as you walk is, uh, like you said, a skill that is. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 one of those that you you do with something like that. The more you do it, of course, the the better practice you have in doing it. I remember lifting sort of like eighty pint kegs and casks and stuff in bars that I've sort of worked in and yeah. trying to lug them upstairs. And the first one you do, you kind of get about three quarters of the way up, and you just stay. No, I'm just going to stand here with this now for a little while, <laughs> leave it on the step and disappear off. 
and drag it up behind you and you know by the time you've you've worked somewhere for say three months and you're doing that sort of every other day yeah you get into the motion of being able to lift it up and just just yeah. just take it straight up but it, it's kind of giving the thought some kind of a, a visualization isn't it really yeah. some kind of actual physical it, yeah. element that people can understand as well so. um i think just the sort of just my last point is surely you know at a base level somebody can understand drinking a beer and somebody else drinking water like you know what yeah. i mean like, yeah. Yeah. it's a physical thing to do i think that should hopefully resonate with a lot of people beyond any of the cerebral and nice things that we philosophically talk about you know sure on a human level it just makes sense yeah yeah definitely good and that's the i think that's the, the, the good sort of message to kind of put across that every time you have a sip you're enabling kind of, yeah you're, you're helping someone out yeah some people out i mean well yes yeah. yeah um so can i ask um a couple of things uh so right now there's just the clean water lager um we've talked about how it's a really excellent lager um we've touched on uh, a little bit but i, I would i'm curious um i know you have plans for other varieties in in the pipeline pun mildly intended but i'm also curious um for an explicit was the choice of lager because um sort of it's more widely drunk outside of craft beer circles or i'm curious about that specific choice and then if you could tell us about what's next yeah i mean taking the lager point to me it's the you know I love craft beer. I love all the different, you know, permutations of what that looks like, whether it be double IPAs or saisons, whatever it is. Like, I love that. But to me, it was quite obvious that a lot of people have not been converted yet, mm. if you like. But they've shown enough of nice almost to say, well, I'm not going to drink Carling, but I'll drink, you know, that sort of Spanish-sounding beer or the Italian-sounding beer, you know, insert good marketing, like premium lager. Yeah. That they care enough about what they're drinking to not drink the, sh the really shit stuff. Yeah. So for me, it was like it could provide a quite a nice bridge where people were experimenting and they wanted to maybe try something which was within their comfort zone, but that they obviously could think that was maybe expressive of who they were as a person, you know, a little yeah. small act kindness or you know was just a better fit for them than say a peroni or a beer moretti or like yeah. i said insert any other beer here so yeah, we call it the beer college years yeah exactly so it's like they're, they're sort of slowly graduating and i'm not going to say like listen i'm not going to say here we're we're bringing the masses to craft beer i think that sort of train is probably sealed or sealed that's a mixed metaphor that train has left the station a long time ago but what we can do is kind of give people an opportunity who maybe aren't there yet to kind of express what they are as people through what they drink and yeah. um, in terms of new styles listen we're a long way off that yet i think we're still proving is it possible to do what we're doing through what we're doing and i think once we get to a position where we are, because there's no shortage of good beer, you know what I mean? It's not like the world is crying out for really tasty, delicious beers all the time. Like, where, mm. are, where, can, where, where can we find them? In any city in the UK, you can find a local brewery. You can find big ones in the UK. You can find ones from the States, from Belgium, from whatever. You know, it's not like the world needs more great beer. That's a good thing that more and more are, are available. And 
more widely uh, and it's taken a bigger bit of the market but what we're trying to do basically with the lager is to try and prove a point you right. can you can try and change the world through just beer i guess mm. Mm. Um, uh, i was going to say um having the 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 one beer i i the one having the one the third <laughs> <laughs> having the the singular beer style that you oh. sell um i know that jumping on the website that you guys are doing this uh, subscription service as well mm-hmm. i suppose do you find that that's maybe uh, something easier and you can talk about the, the subscription service itself but is that kind of an easier thing to launch by having maybe one beer style do you think it'd be more complicated the more beers that you start to introduce yeah i i think what what i think what you're talking about is our office beer club and yes. our office beer club allows people to get delivered beer hassle-free to their office they stick in the fridge and then on a friday afternoon or if there's something to celebrate they can whip their beers out of the fridge have a drink everyone feels good and for every case that we sell to them that provides somebody with clean water so in a shell that's the system i think having one style in a case of 24 works very well because at the end of the day you know, people want something that they're sharing in common and they don't want to necessarily be the last in the queue to pick, you know, maybe, uh, you know, they, they don't get their first choice. You know, if it's a mixed creative of beer, no matter how good the beer might be, you know, in a across the board. Yeah. You know, if, if you're coming there and, you know, maybe there's a really good saison left, but you were actually after a, you know, a dipper yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're, you're not going to get the full experience. So w- what we thought is if we can make, at the moment, it's dominated. If you think about, you know, fridge beers or, or office beers or, you know, beer Fridays, it's probably dominated by the likes of Peroni or, yeah. you know, a World Beer, where people run out to Tesco's and get some and stick it in the fridge, and there's no yeah. real f- behind it. But that doesn't really, that's not really expressive of who the company is. You know, maybe they're a small startup that can't afford a CSR policy, if you like. Right. So uh, why not tap into this wider thing that we're doing? get the beers, really tasty, quite accessible, and then kind of feed into that wider program of helping people out so that effectively you have an off-the-shelf solution for you know a five- or six-man or woman uh, company um, and to complicate that by having you know 12 different beers delivered to them would right. probably not last that long. But mm. you know, just... Yeah, it- I, I think it's telling that you call it the Office Beer Club rather than just a beer, not just another beer subscription, um, because I think that makes a lot of sense from the way you described it. When I have to admit, when I first went to the website and was like, "Oh, a subscription," then I mean, this was right when I first was found out about you guys. I saw, "Oh, there's just one beer." That's weird. But now that sort of it makes a lot more sense from that point of view versus some beer prat looking at another beer subscription. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, and also I think I really I have to say I really like this idea of um, one I get like what you're trying to do you need the largest reach go for logger but also it's an excellent craft logger and it's I mean we're here at Tanked Up we're all about bringing people to try new beers mm. and to be open to not just your dad's beer that you grew up you yeah. know sneaking from the cupboard or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm really happy I got to hear why you picked that because it's given sort of, sort of a good inspiration for why you did it, and I really like that approach because it's 
the wide scope, but not in a sort of cynical way. It's like a not only are we doing this thing for us, but we're also doing it for craft beer in in a certain sense. Like, or rather, that's a nice fallout at least. Mm. Ha! Speaking of Fallout, that's a video game. (laughs) (laughs) I was I I was going to say. as Lucy would say, fuck video games, they're for babies. Yeah, that's true. We won't talk about them. But we probably will at some point, and probably now is the best time yeah. to do so. Video games, oh, bring it all back to the most inconsequential <laughs> yeah. thing yeah. possible. No, 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 no. I can't wait. This is what I've been looking forward to. I've had the okay. talk about beer and my, my own beer <laughs> for the past 45 minutes. I, this um, is what I was itching for. <laughs> Um, so first of all, um, do you, do you both play games at, of of any sort? I, I do play the night, but Alan is a bit of a video video game geek. <laughs> I I I would probably mark periods of my life by the games that I played, or that at least stick out in my memory. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a bit of a fan. If we can, you know, you can ask a few questions, or you can yeah. Go so 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 the, the last time I sat sat down with a brewer and talked video games, I said. One first question, first console you ever owned. Uh, oh, okay, wait. I'm going to, I'm going to, like, yeah, me. excellent. Does Nintendo 64 thing? Because that console, yeah, that's a, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Also, okay. how the hell did that console change your life? We'll get to you oh, in a second, Alan, but that's such <laughs> a, a fucking strong statement. I must know. Uh, oh, Goldeneye. Gold, Gold, yeah. Goldeneye, James Brown, Zelda. Um, Mario, Super Mario. Oh gosh, where did I begin? Like, the, the road is endless, you know. I, I was a Sega Mega Drive guy. No, no, six Yeah, as was I. As was <laughs> I. Street, Streets oh, of Rage. Now, I will, I will give you a tip there, right? Streets of Rage is probably my favorite game of all time, to the extent, right? Sometimes you can go on YouTube and you can get the OST on Streets this. of Rage. He plays this. Oh, soundtrack <laughs> you can literally play it it's 43 minutes long i shit you not right it, it, honestly, <laughs> some of the best music that's ever been okay. recorded i mean i'm a big rage head which is what i'm calling streets of rage fans now i've decided <laughs> i like it yeah, i really like it too but i think my favorite streets of rage character is i Shame on me, can't remember the name of the characters, but the, the little African-American kid with a skateboard. Skate. Oh, yeah. Was so his name Skate? Well, his name oh, Skate. man, I'm so embarrassed I should have known that. He's my he favorite of them all. He's the son, okay, of Axel. I think he's called Axel. Axel, Axel yeah. Axel in, in Streets of Rage 1, who is the African-American guy with the yellow top. No, and he's green. No, Axel was the Axel was the white guy. Yeah. Who was the white guy? Uh, so who was the, who was who was the other guy? Who was the For some reason and I I'm I it's don't his know, son. Anyway, regardless I don't know son. whether I'm correct in this, but it's in my son. mind it's come out think, as Tyson. Oh, I don't I think and that I, might be racist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> might be that, racist. Sounds about right. right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like understand. something a video game from the yeah, 80s would do. It might be racist, but that also might be true because while video games are Terrible for we're going to fact check this just to double um, but check. Can you telling us? None of us have access to the internet. To, um, yes, yes, we are. We are doing that. This. Someone oh, needs no. to be quiet for two minutes and oh, check. It. I'm, I t- to be fair, I'm completely wrong. The 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 fella in the uh, the yellow shirt was called Adam Hunter. Ah shit! Holy Adam. shit! One of my best friends' name is literally Adam Hunter. I had no idea Adam well, from him. Streets of Rage was that's Hunter. That's him. 
Yeah, yeah. No, we're yeah. It's, it's it's exactly the same. Oh. Sorry, Axel was Axel was the other guy. Yeah, and, yes. and Blaze. But anyway, let it not take away from the fact <laughs> that the skater dude was the son of Adam Hunter. If yep. if my knowledge is is correct, but it has been proven to be wrong on at least. One <laughs> oh, so oh, wow. being, being a uh, rage being, head. yeah, being a ragehead. Mm-hmm. Did that kind of uh, consume your your time on Mega Drive, or did you have sort of uh, an expanded sort of gaming selection to be able to play? And yeah, I guess, into other consoles? I guess Zelda or not Zelda? What do you call it? Uh, Golden Axe, Shinobi. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. stuff like that there. Obviously, Sonic. Um, I didn't have an N64, but my cousin did, and we used to go around and play all those sorts of things. It and didn't it did change your life. It, 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 <laughs> it did change my life to the magnitude of Streets of Rage. Um, I think maybe Streets of Rage didn't change my life, it shaped my life. <laughs> but then, um, obviously, you got PlayStation, and then you. Well, I was 11, I think, maybe when. The first Grand Theft Auto came out, oh, but by wow. the time that Grand Theft Auto San Andreas came out, that was another defining moment yeah. when you were able to literally, or maybe even Vice City before it, where you had the soundtrack. Yeah, yes. like you, the that soundtrack edition was just like you can go, you can strike up conversations. I think with like guys, particularly of my generation, that sort of grew up. You know, I've had relationships and friendships in university that were just basically like, oh, I know this song from, oh, Vice City, you say it at the same time. And oh, it's like, amazing. there you go. That's just something yeah. you cannot replicate in other social circumstances. Mm. And then, of course, more, you know, I spend a lot of time on a Friday night whenever I'm tired from uh, work playing Call of Duty with my friends. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the kids now. Um, Maybe not which, the best, which, the more recent stuff. Yeah, which Call of Duty, man? Oh, well, I, right, there is the Infinite Warfare, which was one of the more recent ones, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I think Modern Warfare Remastered was probably my one. I quite like, you know, the old metal guns, you know? Whenever you're shooting, you know, it's laser beams. They're not my sort of thing. So that's why we haven't got it yet. But Call of Duty World War Two is going to be an epic Christmas in our in our house. Yeah. So, so we here at Out of Lives... Um, have a have an expression for modern shooters uh, that that encapsulates this like oh, the laser beams and all things is, is is that they're all jumpy jumpy shooty shooty yeah yeah um because like i don't need to triple jump and glide and and walk on walls i kind of just want to have a gun and stumble around the corner and shoot you in the face essentially yeah. why we started playing want... battlefield one yeah yeah mm-hmm. you just want to kill another human instead of a robot well, i'm not a real human i'm not a sociopath <laughs> <laughs> I do like the, the, the massive juxtaposition between let's help people, let's shoot people. That's well, good. I like that. But I yeah. think that's that's sort of where video games sit, right? Like you, if if it's all escapism, isn't it? Completely. It's escapism, and and like yes, there are people who don't get to who don't have a good filter and realize that the, that this is not a cool thing to do. Yes, we call them Rick and Morty fans, <laughs> toxic Rick and Morty fans. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's exactly escapism. It's power fantasy escapism and knowing that there's no consequences. That's the true. key to that yeah, escapism, right? But also, let, let's not get away from the fact that there was a strong sense of social justice within Streets of Rage. Okay, you were trying to take down a, a 
crime syndicate, will I remind you, okay? Yeah. Call of Duty, you tend to be, maybe not modern warfare, but certainly in the World War II related ones, you were taking on the Nazis. And I'll be damned if I say that there's no link between Bruegger and fighting fascism. You hear me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Fantastic. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's the weird thing about the... Um, the the multiplayer games we have nowadays is like the single player campaigns tend to be very good versus evil but then at at the end of the day like you've got 16 people playing eight of them are on one side eight of them on the other side so they kind of have to have this narrative of that guy's the bad guy and that guy's the bad guy mm. or you play nintendo 64 where it's two against two and you know yeah, you just hit your brothers and sisters <laughs> that's fair well you just just bowl around as odd job playing slaps only <laughs> exactly yeah he knows it oh man yeah see I never owned an N64 it was a a NES Genesis SNES I got when I went to a garage sale and someone had bought an N64 mm -hmm. and sold me their SNES for, for pennies and then it was PC gaming until the PS3 that's a, that's a lot of console gaming to miss out on. Yeah, that's like um, that. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, video games are all right, I suppose. Beer, and beer that helps people, is better. But not better. But no, that's it's, true. It's, it's actually very, lovely. It's bitter bitter bitter. It'd be Imagine interesting to... Sorry? Imagine the cocktail. If video games are good, drinking beer that helps people is better. Imagine mm. the sort of... The synergizing effect of doing both, eh? eh? Exactly. Like whoa, whoa, whoa. Beer and video games at the same time? I don't know. That sounds fishy. Hopefully not fishy. Also, um, I'm a, you are a... It doesn't say in the tin, but I'm assuming you're a vegan-friendly beer. It does say in the tin. Does it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I thought it did. Sorry. Um, I, mean, I said it sounds fishy, and then I realized it. It's a thing that we don't find in Canada, um, the use of the fish guts for the processing to make beer faster. Um, which is why I found it so strange to start seeing vegan or vegetarian friendly beer advertising um, when I when I came here because it's explicit here and it's not explicit at home but also at not at home everything is like it's like I know how beer is made there are no animals why are you suddenly telling me there's no animals is this a weird <laughs> marketing trick but in fact sometimes no and so like my default um, when I lived in Amsterdam. It was my default lager of choice was Heineken because, well, it's not that terrible in the Netherlands. Uh, and then when I moved here, I, I, I had enjoyed Cronenberg at some point. And so I was like, oh, I just need a, a night on, like, like oh, we're watching Eurovision. I just need some beers. Mm. Um, and then I found out, oh, I can't have that in this country <laughs> because everywhere else in the world, Cronenberg is perfectly fine for a vegetarian, but not in the UK. Yeah, they definitely like a lamb into it or something. <laughs> yeah, it's forget about the fish, fish guts. They're just like roasting yeah. it in lamb. Yeah, <laughs> just like well, we've already, we've already given up the vegetarian market, so we might as well just throw lamb, yeah. just throw it all in. Yeah, yeah. I, I milk a I little. Think just, called, just I think that's called. I think called adjunct brewing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Scrape a bit of lamb um, in there. Anyway, so uh, it's it's kind of uh, I want to draw the parallel a little bit between. Um, uh, between your beer, where you are uh, using your profits to actually make a difference and do something, and and bring it against kind of like a video game equivalent, and um, there is a game that, that came out this year called Hellblade, uh, which is a, a sort of third-person action puzzler, but essentially it's about a character 
who experiences a lot of uh, psychosis. And the developers, for, uh, for a day, for two days perhaps, uh, essentially gave all of their profits to, um, I don't know whether it was Mind or another charity that deals with psychological issues, um, that, that deals with people that are going through uh, uh, problems and trying to help them out with it. And I think that you look in kind of every sector and you can find people that are trying to help, that are trying to make a difference. Um, so it's rethink. Essentially, if you, was it rethink? Okay. Yeah. So essentially, if you really want to help, you will buy Hellblade. You and will buy, you know, the biggest pack of Brugger de Beer you possibly can. And you'll just play it in one sitting and just drink it all in one sitting. I mean, I mean, to be to be perfectly transparent, um, that was only for a World Mental Health Day that okay. they were donating uh, those profits, okay. uh, which was October tenth, the day before my depressed ass's birthday. Um, uh, but I, I do think it. I mean, at the very least, like first of all, that's a from from both Lucy and you and the media told me that's a fantastic game. I think it's nice mm-hmm. game when they uh, give a real go, but also. Supporting developers who, even if they can't, by virtue of capitalism and, and, and the way their company is designed, um, donate all their profits all the time. That's, I mean, there are a company who said specifically, hey, for, for a couple of weeks in advance, buy our game on this day. Yes. And none yeah. of it will go to us. We mm-hmm. think it's important to do this. I think that's, even though that day is in the past, it's still a good move to support people who understand this matters. Yeah. But you remember when Mental Health Day was, you said October 10th, I think, yeah. straight off the bat. I mean, that in and, in and of itself and the fact that that's worked its way into conversation about beer and video games. I mean, you know, you can't sometimes it can't be done all the time. Sometimes it can. Like, it doesn't really matter. What I'm more concerned with is that you you provide more opportunities for people to do a good thing when they're doing what they would have done anyway. Mm. The more the more option the more opportunities that people have to do that, whether it's one beer or ten beers, like in the craft beer market or the beer market, whether it's one video game or a hundred, you know, sooner or later people will be able to choose do they want to support X, Y, or Z through what they do every day, and yeah. it's just to the people to take the sort of risk. You know, we're not that what we do is is different, but it is certainly not unique you know, ever in the beer market or, you know, in any other industry. Um, but the more people shout about what we do, it probably hopefully will encourage other people to do something yes. similar. And then mm-hmm. that, that starts off a chain where even if Brugger doesn't hit a million people with clean drinking water, something might be inspired by that that does something utterly transformational somewhere else, which yeah. I would be, still be quite proud of being able to slightly influence. Yeah, very much. You, you kind of, you you sort of open the door almost for for people to kind of take it further and to sort of inspire people to to do good things and to help other people and even if that is just buying a four pack and 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 having that and uh, you know you pick it again in a few more weeks yeah actually i do want to 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 help people even if it's just that sort of that small contribution versus, you know, as you say, someone else taking another idea and and running with it and, and completely transforming sort of, you know, the way something else is done. 
it's kind of like fucking oh, fuck Tesco's but every little helps doesn't it it's kind of <laughs> you'll never believe the amount of conversations I've used that and thought I just sound like a 90s Tesco ever right? <laughs> yeah, I know I I, I I don't have the cultural context for why that's a fuck Tesco's moment but um, it's, 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 it's just that branding I suppose yeah. yeah I'm also not very attuned to, to advertising <laughs> um, so be- before we uh, so before we completely abandon games, um, I'm curious. So you said you like shooters. Um, what was the last fantastic game either of you played? Or rather, both of you. And it's okay to say Mario 64. I'm cool with that. But I want to say, okay. not good. I want to say fantastic. I'm, pu- I'm giving you guys the gears. Okay. It's, it's okay. We'll I... edit the pauses out, so don't worry about okay. thinking. For okay, I, I don't care. I'm gonna go old school. Okay, Mario. Um, what was it? It's Mario Kart. It's Mario Kart, and oh. it's you know, DK on the Star Cup playing <laughs> at Wario Stadium and getting that, getting that kind of podium finish. You know, um, it's just you can't beat it. Okay, I, I, I put it to you. It's. Pretty special, DK and then is a hard character uh, to play. You also, you also don't. You only play the kind of the three cups. You don't, you don't bother with special cup because Yoshi's Valley is the worst level ever. So, <laughs> not to get specific, but that I don't know. Is yeah. Yeah. intimate knowledge of Mario Kart. That's amazing. Before we move, move from that, have you played uh, uh, any of the more modern Mario Karts? Okay, I've just. This is maybe it's okay to say too no. much, but no, I haven't because I tried. Actually, I think I played it on a PS One, and I think D, I was DK, and he had That's a hovercraft. It's a Nintendo game, and it was just it was too much, you know. It's it's, right. it's it's when you improve on the original yeah, too much. it's too much. You know? No one needs a hovercraft. Okay? But that's the <laughs> nature, that, that is the nature of the beast, right? Because after a while, you'll get bored and you'll just buy the new one, right? So or you'll keep playing whether, whether or not whether or not the new one is better, you'll probably still buy it. You know. Oh, see, I yeah. fully support holding onto the old one. Oh, um, okay, good. good. I think, yeah. personally speaking, I have felt more free playing San Andreas than any of the preceding or whatever ones because oh, so- I, 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 I think it's all contextual. I was fourteen years old. <laughs> I was this like you know L.A. sort of like impression of type thing. You know what I mean? I was listening to like Radio really X, and it had like Faith No More and Guns N' Roses, and then Radio really Santos. Awesome. <laughs> oh man, I love. And it was fucking brilliant. I mean, that's probably the, that's the last time I, I felt truly alive playing a video game, other than recent forays into Streets of Rage. Oh. You know, I've already professed my love for that. Um, yeah. So, so I actually find that one of my biggest disappointments with GTA Five was that they didn't have the, the jetpack. Um, <laughs> yeah, that as well as they got rid of the classical station. And, and and like I'm such a fan of like a certain type of action movie that the idea of not being able to do some stupid shootout to really, really bad, like generic classical music sucks. <laughs> like, like if they replaced it with like press like Control D for add doves, maybe that would be enough. But other than that, it's like no, I want my crappy classical music. 
um, to to be that's the, like Ameri- the scorer. That's like American Psycho or something. That's like a yeah, real but like <laughs> there is you something about like fucking Canadian Psycho. I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he kept playing when he was like hatcheting people to death. Yeah. You were like, yeah, I'll have my Tchaikovsky, please. Um, whilst I whilst I yeah. calm down, you know these guys. <laughs> but the other thing about San Andreas is, uh, I I seriously think that they missed an opportunity to do the first like rock star uh, MMO multiplayer game uh, where just, just, you're just, just joining a gang. Do you, do you remember <laughs> that, uh, game that part perfect, of that game? I think I was 14 yes. as well when it came out. That game's perfect. Here's my, proof. Here's my proof, right, that San Andreas was the best ever to date and since. There are more memes about San Andreas than there are about <laughs> any other of the, the GTA things combined, okay? I have personally, in a dog spotting group, used uh, Big Smoke's order at Cluckinvel about a dog at McDonald's. Now, name me any other game, let alone any other GTA game, that you can do that about. Please, I'll give you 20 okay. seconds of pure radio silence. Jeez. I wouldn't necessarily use that as a gauge of how good it is, but... Okay, maybe that's... It is a very good game. It's the best of them all. It's in the um, top five of gauges. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what I was going to say is that <laughs> my favorite part of that game was when you were trying to take over the city and you had like oh, yeah. the districts, the, they, they, the districts yeah, and the gang warfare yeah. and they would come back at you. It's like, how is this not a multiplayer game where like you join a gang and you try and protect things, etc.? Technology. That's true. Yeah, but they've never done that since. Like GTA Five multi online multiplayer, whatever you want to call it, doesn't have that either. And it's like, oh, this is stupid. You, you, you missed the boat. That's probably a good place to wrap up our chat especially because my, my your cat, cat is going fucking insane um <laughs> yes a very good place to wrap up our chat um let's plug let's plug ourselves and talk about this beer yeah uh, lucy hmm. the beer the which beer. was your favorite beer this episode and what make, <laughs> and, and what did you like about it <laughs> i think it was the brew got a clean lager oh yes a really good lager as as we've said mm. before, you don't really see many craft lagers, but when I do come across them, they're usually very good. This is no exception. Really like it. Really clean, really crisp, really refreshing. Not too heavy, not too light. Just perfect. Mm, mm. I don't think I can add much more to that. Mm. I mean, that, that, that the, the flavour does, it sits with you, and we've we've smashed through four cans. And, Each, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the flavor profile is the same on the fourth can as it was on the first and you, you do find that the more you know i, I had a, a beer um the name of which i forget was the founder's beer which i had last week which even bastard in, which or something? Ba- uh, backwards bastard which even in one bottle the the flavor profile changed from the first and, and sort of third sip to sort of towards the bottom of the glass but this it just just holds that flavor yeah. really well Mm. Yeah, so so I was gonna say the um, the you know mid sips of the fourth can still give you that lime. Mm. It still gives it leaves you a little wet, but again, so, so you don't feel like you have to have another sip. But again, uh, the, as Alan mentioned, that biscuitiness that, that that's slightly softening. But it, as Ben also noted, the lime still shows up at the end. So you have mm. this very satisfying finish that doesn't require you to have another sip but rather invites you to have another yeah, sip yeah very much yeah uh, 
Wow, that might be one of the most pretentious things I've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, invitation to sit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, but I think it's I think it's accurate. I think um, it, it's it's something that sort of calmly says, "Why don't you have some more of me?" Rather than says, mm, like, what? Rather than saying, "Oh wow, you really need to taste something," which a lot of beers when they dry you out sort of feels like. I'm having this other sip because I'm dried out rather than yeah. I really want more of this thing. But it's also not too insistent. It's not like some beers can be such a strong flavor profile. They're like, oh, I really need to have more of that. And that can be um, a good thing and a bad thing. Here it's like it, it it's really good to be have that taste profile with a lager, which we think of as more of a like I'm at the pub with or I'm having office beers with people and I just want to, you know, I want to have a beer at my own pace. Mm. I think this invites your own pace really well because it doesn't require either A. Very much. And I think as, as you sort of said uh, towards the top of the pod, Alan, the the different batches, you can you can pick out those different sort of flavors, those the the evolution sort of of your beer as you go so it's kind of it's it's not a beer to kind of sit here now and think oh i know exactly what that beer is going to give me you might find that in in six months time you get something something else else from it as well something Um, similar but you're just getting a little extra from it perhaps um now if we wanted to if our listeners wanted to learn more about brewgooder it's brewgooder.com yep um, and uh, I'm going to reiterate what you guys said that maybe check out those um, the video hey. chapter mm, two. Mm. Um, one thing you mentioned was um, was that you're in Asda and you're with co-op. Um, when is there a way to find out where we ha- can find if uh, there's Brigitter near us? Yeah, so you can go on to Brigitter.com for size stockists. And that should tell you where your nearest one is. So you should be able to basically, if you know your geography of the UK, hone in on Bristol, for example, and find your nearest one. But there's also uh, new ones that pop up every day. For example, Lucy had just said that she popped out to her local bottle store. And we would love to know where that is um, so that we can at least give the guys a call and say thanks. So if you find a stockist. You can also get in contact with us and say it's not on the map and we'll make sure that a big, lovely can is placed uh, over the postcode or wherever it is. Yeah, it's uh, Cottage Wines uh, up at, just past Urchley in Birmingham. So, yeah, they do lots of beer. Brew is just one of them. So, yeah, check them out. Um, now, you guys said um, if, if someone isn't sort of on the standard um, craft beer map, um, we mentioned Asda before. You said co-op. Yep. Um, any other large sort of distributors besides um, your own website, which we can also order beer from? Yeah, well, I mean, the best one to do actually now, I guess, is uh, Brewdog Bars. We're running a bit of a, um, a promotion with them that we're actually going to dig two new wells for every – basically every egg that they sell will provide three people with clean drinking water on – effectively four new projects by the time that this this kind of goes to air um where if you buy a pint in their bar you're directly digging two new wells um hopefully two more new wells if it keeps going the way it's going and just by having a pint in one of the brewdog bars and i'm pretty sure if you're living in a major city there will be one near you as well yeah i mean there's mm-hmm. one in here in bristol for example yeah. Yeah. brewdog is is everywhere yeah essentially. yeah yeah, yeah. 
Perfect. And of, of course, the, the best place to buy it is probably your website. Yes. Just get yourselves a nice big 12-pack, 24-pack. Um, forward slash store. And if you have an office which does office beers and you want to turn your office into a big well-digging machine, go to brugger.com forward slash office hyphen beers. Perfect. If people want to uh, to get hold of you, you, you mentioned earlier about telling them the stockist. If people want to get hold of you, say on Twitter or on Facebook or anything like that, how do they do so? Yeah, so Twitter is at BrewGoodR because some bastard has stolen Twitter <laughs> and just <laughs> it was BrewGoodR, hey, right? We're tanked up underscore cast, um, so we feel your pain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then, obviously, Facebook is just Brugger and our Instagram, which is my favorite of all the platforms because I just think it's quite nice to see pretty pictures, is at Brugger. So, yeah. So, they're all Brugger apart from the Twitter doesn't have our yeah. E, okay? And so, I think, if anyone I think, knows yeah. who that Brugger, you know, punk is, right? <laughs> Um, doesn't use, that hasn't used their, uh, their account since 2010, right? We'll yeah. Right? We're, we might be good guys or perceived to be good guys, but we'll come for your handle. You <laughs> uh, this is where they listen and they just put one tweet out to make it look like it's an active account. Just, um, in, tank, in tank that parlance, that's your brugger on all of the things except the Twitter. Twitter. Um, Lucy, where can we reach you? Uh, speaking of Twitter handles, mine is at beerresistible underscore underscore because somebody... Who's apparently some really famous pop star singer who I've never heard of, and has like videos on Vivo and everything. I wanted to message, oh, really? but didn't want to get a harsh email from maybe her publicist. Um, yeah, it's just be irresistible underscore. So I know you're paying. <laughs> Not as important, but yeah. <laughs> some comments like the, yeah. the spoken taboo and stigma. <laughs> Um, and if they wanted to reach you on other platforms such as Steam, uh, PSN, and Xbox, how would they reach you, Lucy? Uh, it's Juicy Loose Nine. And Ben, uh, you can uh, at me everywhere. Nova underscore forty seven. Almost on all of the things, not quite. Steam is Nova underscore forty seven. Who stole my name? Because I did on another email address. Adol, how do people? Get hold of you. Uh, I'm at the Omniarch. That's T H E O M N I A R C H on all of the things except Twitch, where I'm the underscore Omniarch, and also I don't stream, so it doesn't matter. You don't matter. stream. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted the name. Yes. I, I, I might stream if I had the name. Um, and you can also reach us at tankupcast at gmail dot com. You can uh, also check out um, other podcasts and articles on outoflives.net. You can. And uh, we are Tanked Up Cast on Facebook. And of course, um, we want to hear. Um, we we welcome feedback. Feedback and uh, the thing. I wasn't what I was going to say. You filled in the wrong thing, and now I'm Shit. thrown out. Um, if you could, on your podcast app and or service of choice, give us a review and um, rating because that allows more people to see us. Because that's how algorithms work. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so again, um, rate us and review us uh, so we can reach more people. And also, we'd be super curious if you enjoyed sort of a, another one of our, our um, sit downs with uh, breweries, and especially one uh, with a, a lovely message and uh, aim as as brew gooder. Mm. Yeah. Brew good and do good. <laughs> Holy shit! I like it. <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> A good place to finish uh, for another week. We have been tanked up. Bye.
Ciao. Bye. Bye. Um, also, why, why can't I hear them anymore? <laughs> Is it me? Is it because I've returned? Yeah, I think it, it could be. Oh, if yeah. If I hear me, it's definitely you. You're a jinx. Uh, no, I, I can hear you. Hold on. Ah, there we go. Brilliant. Fantastic. Everything is a okay, and now he's going for a piss. <laughs>